All right. Uh, while they're finished up taking the offering, uh, if you are fifth grade or younger, would you stand up and raise your hand? I want fifth grade or younger. Okay. Now, did you all get a bulletin? Because I want you to fill out the sermon outline for me, and I'm going to give you a candy bar if you get it filled out. So, uh, yeah, Michael gets some bulletins there. And if you need a pencil, I have some young people that have pencils back there, and they'll give those to you. Okay. If you need a pencil, raise your hand, okay? If you need a bulletin, raise both hands. <laughs> you know, one thing I want to suggest today is that children are capable of doing a lot more than uh, what we give them credit for. There are several occasions in the Bible where God used children like Josiah was eight years old when he became king. How many of you are eight? You become a king. Can you imagine that? Samuel was a young boy serving the tabernacle. So God uses children. And we're going to expect you to fill out the sermon outline, listen closely, and we'll give you a candy bar. And I hope you'll like it. I think it has sugar in it. So let me mention today is Temptations Children Phase. The next youth Sunday is January, the last Sunday in January, the fifth Sunday. And Garrett's going to talk about Temptations Teenagers Phase. So I let him deal with that one. I'm doing the children. And to make sure the rest of us don't feel left out, next Sunday I'm going to do a sermon called How Not to Be an Old Fogey. Okay, so that's next Sunday. You'll want to come back for that. All right. Everybody got a bulletin and a pencil you can write? Okay. Okay, we'll get to that in a little bit, and I'll help you fill this out as we go. Okay, the first day of school, a first grader handed his teacher a note from his mother. And the note said this. The opinions expressed by this child are not necessarily those of his parents. Yeah, and every parent knows what it's like to be embarrassed by their offspring, but it's also very true that most kids know what it's like to be embarrassed by their parents. And yet, it's family, parents and kids, that bring a lot of joy to our lives. When I'm at the nursing home and I see kids walk in, the, the place just lights up. And grandparents, we re- parents, we receive a lot of joy from kids. But kids and ch- children are also a challenge, and they're targets of Satan, and he wants to cause them to stumble. So he tempts children, okay? So now some of you are not children, but you're still children at heart, and the temptation that Satan uses with kids, you're going to find also he uses with adults. Okay, I had Rob and Jill fill out, have the grade schoolers fill out a survey on temptations they face, and then we had you as a congregation do that. And here's some of the lists, and I included the spelling that I was given. Eating candy in my room secretly was one. Not listening to my parents sometimes. Not obeying my parents. Stealing gum from my brother. Calling people names. Getting really mad. I think adults do that too, by the way. Lying. Bullying. Uh, let's see, talking when my teacher said don't talk, disobeying, my grandparents tell me to clean my room and I don't want to do that, <laughs> doing things without permission, <laughs> cheating, talking bad about someone and playing video games when grounded. That's a lot of temptation and Satan is after these kids. So I'm going to talk about three, I think, basic, very common temptations that Satan uses to try to separate children from God. And what's interesting, these are the same temptations we adults face. So this is for everyone. One of the surveys turned in a list of the temptations kids face. You know, there's seven or eight on there. And then under the temptations parents face, it said pretty much the same stuff. So this is a youth children's sermon, but we are all young at heart when it comes to these. Number one, children are tempted to be selfish. Okay, put selfish on that line there if you see that in that blank line. 
It is human nature to be selfish. It doesn't matter what age we are. Now, kids, if you have a baby in the house and he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's hungry, I can guarantee that baby doesn't lie there and think, you know, my mom has had a rough day today and I think she needs to sleep the whole night through. So I'll just wait until morning to eat. Do babies do that? No, they're going to cry louder and louder until mom or dad comes to feed him because his hunger is more important than mom or dad's rest. I saw a baby's t-shirt a while back said, party, my crib, 2 a.m. <laughs> now, as you get older, God expects children to become less selfish and same with us adults. Now, have you ever said or heard a child say, hey, his piece is bigger than mine? Like at Thanksgiving? Yeah. I had it first or it's my turn, or make him share, or if you don't do it, you won't be my friend anymore. God wants us to be unselfish because he is unselfish, and he gave his very best for us. Now, in the bulletin is a scripture, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition, write the word selfish in there, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now, I want you to circle that word others, write selfish, in the line, but circle the word others. That means you share. That means you don't put yourself first all the time. As adults, that means we are generous with our time and our abilities, our talents. Now, when I was a child, we learned this acrostic, and I want you to fill this one out too. Jesus first, others second, you last. You see that? And what do those first three letters spell? Joy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean you don't sometimes need to stand up for your rights or that you uh, have to share everything, but that means you don't demand your own way. Larry Irwin McManus, in his book called Seizing the Divine Moment, tells about being on vacation and walking on a Florida beach with his 10-year-old son, Aaron. And as they were walking, there was a man who had no legs and was making his way down the beach with some specialized crutches. And the man stumbled and fell, and he struggled to get back up. And then his crutch caught again, and he stumbled a second time, and he couldn't get back up. And McManus said, I tried to distract my son with another topic as we kept walking. But after a few steps, my son said, Dad, I've got to go help that man. He's fallen. And McManus said, I was really convicted of my unconcern and selfishness. And so McManus said, okay, you go ahead and help him. So the little boy went and tried to help this man out of the sand, but he couldn't do it. Well, there were several other adults walking along the beach, and they also had ignored this man. But when they saw Aaron's effort to help the man up, the other adults came over and helped him get up onto his feet and get back to the deck of his hotel. And McManus said, when Aaron came back to where I was, he was fighting back tears and said, Dad, I couldn't help him. I couldn't help him get up. I wasn't strong enough. And what Aaron didn't understand, he was an example to some adults, and they came and helped the man. The Bible says a little child will lead them. So kids, you can set an example for unselfishness and put the needs of others above yourselves. And we adults, of course, need to set examples too. Okay, here's the second temptation. Lying. I want you to write that in the blank. Now, lying, again, seems to be natural. You can tell a two-year-old, now, don't you eat any of that chocolate candy in the dish, and you can leave the room and come back, and he's got chocolate all over his mouth and all over his face and his hands, and you say, did you eat some of that candy? He say, no. As children grow older, there's a continual temptation to lie. Well, I didn't hear you, or I forgot, or she did it. I don't know what happened. I didn't mean to. She hit me first. All kinds of ways we 
tell fibs. And as adults, sometimes that happens, ways to deceive, to make ourselves look better or cover up something we did. There was a young man who went out for junior high track and he had no athletic ability but he wanted to please his dad because his dad was a track man and his dad was actually a good miler in his day and his first race was a two-man race this guy against the school's long distance runner and the boy was beaten badly and he didn't want to disappoint his father so he rode home and said dad you'll be happy to know that I ran against Bill Williams the best long distance runner in the school he came in next to last while I came in second got to think about that it's true but it's misleading, and sometimes we're tempted to do that, even adults, because it's sometimes hard to tell the truth. We want to make ourselves look better or cover something up, and that's actually a form of selfishness. So Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Okay, write that in the blank. To his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Truthfully. Polls consistently show that a majority of high school students would cheat on an important exam. And one poll found that less than half of Americans teach honesty to their children. So parents, we have to do some instructing that that lying breaks fellowship, trust is broken, it goes against God's word. I heard of one family that had a rule, said if you lie to cover up something that gets you in trouble, the punishment will be doubled. So there is a reward for telling the truth. Here's the third temptation. Disrespect for authority. So write down the word disrespect. To disrespect your parents or teachers means to disobey them or rebel against them. Some rebel verbally and just say, no, I won't do it. Some rebel by stomping out of the room or their tone of voice. Uh, Some do it by a dirty look or rolling their eyes or crossing their arms or grunting in disgust. Some rebel by making excuses. Well, I don't know how or it's not my turn. I didn't make the mess. It's not my fault. or I don't know where it is. It just wears on mom and dad this continual rebellion. And I wonder if God ever gets tired of our rebellion too. There was a mom of three exceptionally unruly kids and she was asked, if you had to do it all over again, would you have children? She thought about it. She said, yes, just not the same ones. Children, don't be so hard on your parents. When you disrespect and disobey, it makes their job difficult. Now, here's another thing you could really help me out. Some of your parents disrespect the minister because their team won a football game that doesn't matter at all, you know. So talk to your parents about respecting the pastor, okay? Sometimes we rebel by slow obedience. Mom says, turn off the computer game, come to dinner, you act like you didn't hear. Again, she says, turn off the game and come to dinner. Just a minute. Turn off the game and come to dinner. You stand up, start walking to the kitchen, but you keep playing. Fourth time, turn off the game and come to dinner. You're obeying, but on your own time. That's disrespect. And when parents allow that, it trains children to treat God's authority the same way. I'll do it when I feel like, and really the world is about me and I'm the authority. No. God wants us to obey the first time. Ephesians 6, 1, 3 says, Children, obey, right in obey, your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Right in obey and honor. Of course, parents, we have to teach respect for authority. Uh, Ephesians says, bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And it's not easy. One parent said if it was going to be easy to raise kids, it would have never started with something called labor. It's work. So, 
John Roseman is a child psychologist, and I used to read him quite a bit, and he received a question once from a parent, and I know this will not be politically correct here, but not everybody will like this, but here's what the parent wrote. My request for a specific third grade teacher for my son was ignored by the principal. The teacher to whom he was assigned is very demanding, and that sort of approach doesn't work with my son. The school year is not a month old, and an obvious personality conflict has developed between the two of them. I've spoken to the principal, but she says my son is going to have to learn to take instruction from authority figures, whether he likes them or not. What can I do? (laughs) John Roseman's answer. You and I have a point of view conflict. I'll be blunt. It is simply not possible for a child to have a personality conflict with an adult who sits in a position of authority. Two adults can have a personality conflict, two children can have a personality conflict, but a child and a teacher or any other adult figure cannot. The idea that this is possible is relatively new. In the 1960s, well-intentioned experts promoted the idea that adult-child relationships should be democratic. They spoke of the democratic family and the democratic classroom. As this idea took hold in our culture, the idea that children were to obey adults mutated in the idea that adults were responsible for establishing a positive working relationship with children. This turns the relationship upside down. Forty years ago, when I was 11, I was expected to obey my teachers whether I liked them or not. I would not have dared tell my parents the teacher didn't like me because they would have immediately assumed I was doing something distinctly unlikable. I think you ought to tell the teacher what I once taught one of my daughter's high school teachers. I don't agree with how you handle some situations, but I'm here to tell you I will support your decisions whether I agree with them or not. Moreover, I will insist that my daughter obey you and there will be consequences if she does not. That was in my daughter's best interest and that approach will be in your son's best interest as well. And all the teachers said... Amen. I know this is not the popular parenting style today. Uh, Parents go and complain every little slight of little Johnny, and I just want to barf, okay? These are basic selfishness, lying, disrespect for authority that has to be ingrained. Now, on the survey we had a few weeks ago, we included temptations that parents face, and notice uh, it's kind of some of the same as for children. Here's temptation for parents, lying. Stealing, greed, pride, which is a form of selfishness, judging, not showing grace, complacency, self-centered, not encouraging, lack of empathy, and spoiling kids rotten. Now, kids, I want you to hang on that sermon outline. I hopefully got yours all filled out. See me later. I'm going to be back at that door, okay, and I'll have your candy bar for you if you filled it out. Okay. The rest of this for the parents, just very quickly. Parents, begin with the end in mind. The goal of child rearing is not to make you look good but to raise God-honoring adults who will be difference makers for Jesus Christ. Your first obligation is the first of the Ten Commandments, to love the Lord your God. And that should be the guiding light for your life and for your home. That's the goal and the purpose. And that's for all of us, of course. Start there. Number two, be alert to early signs of rebellion. Selfishness, temper tantrums, and lying may seem cute when they're a toddler, but that's the time to start dealing with it. And one of the questions to ask is, Look at the behavior of that child, you know, that three, four-year-old, and ask, will this be cute at age 18? And if the answer is no, it is not cute at age three or four, okay? And we need to ask, what are signs of rebellion in our own lives and lead by example? Then, recognize that some resistance is appropriate. Resistance by children is a part of their distancing from you and maturity, and wise parents need to discern between natural independence and direct defiance. And we who are older need to recognize this in our young people, 
they are not going to do everything the way we want them to. They will recalibrate the faith that we hand on to them. And there will be some of our ways that they reject, and some of that is good, and we need to allow it. Demonstrate love in all things. You can do a lot of things wrong, but if you develop that relationship with the child and communicate and they know they're loved and valued and you're praying for them, that can cover a multitude of sins of parenting. There are some parents, I disagree on how they parent, but they love their kids and they've got a relationship with them and they're, they're doing okay. And I think this is one area where a lot of parents really do a good job. And of course, this goes for all of us because love is a universal command. You may make mistakes, but love covers them over. Let children be children. Kids are growing up too fast, way too fast. Uh, some of that we can't avoid, but some of it we can. Companies are creating makeup and beauty care products for younger and younger buyers. 20 years ago, the market age was, the market target was nine. And today it's three, four, okay? And what we do is impose adulthood on children before they're spiritually, emotionally, physically ready to handle it. And, and so you have to do something to let them know when they're young that they will not do everything that all the other parents' kids let them do. Let kids be kids. Encourage them. A study was done by Dr. Henry Goddard on energy levels in children and used an instrument called an ergograph. And he found that when tired children are given a word of encouragement, the ergograph shows an immediate upsurge surge in new energy. And when children are criticized, the ergograph shows that their physical energy takes a nosedive. So an actual physical response, encouragement, is breath to the soul. And as adults, we know that too. And then have high expectations. You know, we just hear so much, well, teenagers can't do it, and they can't refrain. Can't we have higher expectations of kids? They are capable of doing more than probably anything we can imagine. This six-year-old boy named Bryce and his mother in an auto accident. And it seemed to be a minor accident. And as soon as they were hit, Bryce asked, Mom, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm okay. And she asked, are you okay? And he said, I think so. But in Bryce, there was some internal bleeding, and he eventually died from that accident. At school, the day after he died, the teacher apologized to the parents, saying that she wanted to give the kids some hope that Bryce was in heaven and talk about God, but she didn't think she could because it was a public school. And so they began to discuss in the classroom what happened to Bryce, and one girl, Nicole, spoke up, and she said, it's going to be okay. Bryce is in heaven. He's happy, and we're going to see him again. And another little child said, you know, that's what my mom and dad told us because Jesus died on the cross. We have the hope of heaven, and we're going to see Bryce again someday. And, and some other kids joined in saying the same thing, and a group of children was comforted, not by the words of an adult, but by the faith of children. So children, you can be an example, and we are going to expect a lot out of you. Now, we're going to pray for you, and what I want you to do is stand up, okay? If you're fifth grade and younger, stand up right now, and what I want to do is have adults put a hand on your shoulder, okay? Now, hopefully a parent or grandparent or a friend or someone, okay? And we're going to pray for you, okay? This is the sign that they're praying for you, okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we lift these kids up to you, and we are thrilled by the faith that is developing in them and by the potential we see in them. But we also know that Satan is after them, and he'll do all he can to get them to fail. And so, Lord, we pray for these young people, we pray for the adults in their lives and for their teachers, that we'll all work together to raise God-honoring, Jesus-loving young people for your kingdom. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you.
Eight. As she said, as I was coming up here, it's Kahoot time. All right. Let's see how well you listen to Mark. So I have Mr. Dyer back there switching things over for me. If you forgot the address or you haven't gotten ready on your phone yet, if you would go to Kahoot, K-A-H-O-O-T dot I-T, Kahoot dot it. If you don't have a phone, maybe there's someone sitting next to you who will let you borrow theirs. I'll let you let you borrow mine. Anyone need a phone? I have one right here. Anyone need one? Anyone? Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. I, I'm, I'm, I saw their hand first, but I can help you out because I have my iPad too. Who, do you have one, Rowan? All right. Hold on. Here we go. All right. You can take this. You take that. All right. You have it up yet? Oh, great. We have no internet. Well, this could be uh, real short. That's what uh, Tracy just said. There's no internet. That's awesome. Technology's awesome when it works. Well, it's going to be a real easy game. There's no internet. Hold on. We need the Jeopardy theme music playing right now. We gotta wait. The internet. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Get it? There we go. All right. All right, Jack. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Why don't you? Is there someone around? Mine's not working. All right. There's the pin number. If you would go to Kahoot.it. The PIN number is, if you type in 229138, and then you can put your name in. If you want to put your first name in, that would be awesome. Or if you want to go with a nickname. We once played this at school, and I called myself Brent Grisham. It was pretty funny. I got a kick out of it. I didn't do so hot, and he looked pretty bad. All right. All right, got a, got a few up there. If we don't like your name, by the way, we can we can kick cut you out. So you know, if you make fun of Green Bay, Mark may have me uh, take the take you out. All right, I'm gonna give you a, a couple seconds here to log on. I'm trying to get on for you, Jack, but I'm having issues with my iPad too. All right, we got 70. Man, we're cruising. All right, we got 75 so far. Hopefully, the pin will stay on there, so if for some reason you get kicked out or you don't get it in on time, they'll have the pin number up there. There are going to be 10 questions, 10 questions that relate exactly to Mark's sermon. Mark gave me a copy of his sermon. I took it, and I made the questions, except for the very first one. All the rest of the nine come right out of it. All right. Oh, man, we are jumping up there. All right. Ashton is great. I agree. All right. All right, John Cena's here. Who knew? Who knew? All right. All right. Oh, you've... Uh, yes! Someone going to join us, Captain Obvious, next, please? All right. There we go. I'll give you a couple... I'll give you another few seconds here, and then we're going to get going. All right. We'll wait till you slow down a little bit. That's what I was waiting to for. Let's see. Oh, I can't, can't get on with this. All right. 
Jack and Diane. It should have been Jack and Diane. Two American kids growing up in the heartland. That's right. You're making me feel loved, guys. All right, here we go. All right, we're slowing down a little bit, so we may get going here in a second. All right, so again, there's going to be 10 questions. Let me, while we wait, let me, let me explain real quick. Oh, someone just got kicked out or dropped out. So here's what's going to happen. There'll be a question. I'll have about five seconds to read it. You all know I can read it that fast. Uh, and then right after you see the question go away, there'll be four choices. Each choice will be written on a different color, red, blue, yellow, green, something like that. They all have a shape as well. On your device, you will see those four different choices. Uh, you'll see your, your screen cut up into four colors in the same order. So you basically will simply ki- uh, click on the, uh, the color that matches the answer. You get, a, you get points based on if you get the answer correct. You will get answers. Uh, you'll get points based on if you got the answer correct and how fast you got the answer. So speed does matter. So just because you got the right answer does not necessarily mean you're going to be first place. All right, we're at 101. Now we're at 100. We're going back and forth a little bit. All right. Well, Mr. Dyer, let's go ahead and advance this. Here we go. Ten questions. Temptations. First one does not come from his sermon. What are temptations? Are they red square, desires to do something, especially something wrong or unwise, a musical group of the 80s, something your mom checks to see if you have a fever, or they are sin? What are temptations? You have 20 seconds to answer, but if everyone answers before time is up. Ah, oh, all right. All right. All right. 85 of you got that right. Good job. Here we go. Moving on. Go ahead. Next there, Tracy. The leader is hi hi. All right. Here we go. And the hill is your second. What are the three very common temptations that Satan uses to try to separate kids from God? Pride, jealousy, gluttony. Stress, judging others, compassion. Selfishness, lying, disrespect for authority. Or self-centeredness, complacency, and laziness. This came right from Mr. Weber's sermon. The three temptations kids face. What did what did Mr. Weber mention? He mentioned selfishness, lying, disrespect for authority. Very good. The majority of you got that. Very good. Very good. All right. Next, let's see who's uh, ahead. Oh, the Hilliards. Oh, they took over. All right. Haley's, Haley's moving up there. Jada's on the board. Good job, Jada. Here we go. Moving on. Moving on. There are several children in the Bible used by God to accomplish his will. Who are a few of those children? Shadrach, Meshach, and Peter. David, Samuel, Josiah. Matthew, Luke, and John. Or Larry, Curly, and Mo. Don't go green. All right, who did Mark mention? Oh, David, Samuel, and Josiah. Very good. The majority of you got that right. That's always good. Here we go, next one. All right, uh, high highs back up. Oh, we got to go back and forth there. Oh, McKenzie's on the board now. Here we go. Mark taught us that the older you get, God expects us to become less what? Old, compassionate, selfish, or funny? Maybe Harry would have been a good choice. All right. Oh, everyone has voted. Selfish was the answer. And, oh, very good, very good, very good. The majority of you got that. All right. Here we go. High highs is, is moving up there. McKenzie's moving up. All right. Here we go. Uh, question five of ten. 
What verse says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but consider yourselves better than others? Genesis 1.20, Matthew 5.20, 1 Peter 4.7, Philippians 2.3. That was on the back of your bulletin, by the way. That's in your bulletin if you don't, you don't know. Oh, which verse was it? There we go. Philippians 2.3. Philippians 2.3. The majority of you knew that. Let's see if our leaders did. Here we go. Oh, Haley's moved up. Haley's moved up. Hi, hi. Must have gotten it wrong. I don't know. Here we go. Next. When Mark was a child, he learned the acrostic, J-O-Y, joy. What did that stand for? Jesus first, others second, you last. Jamming others in yak and yak. Jesus obeys you in Jamaica, Orlando, and Yemen. I like jamming others as yakety yak. Yakety yak. Ah, uh, Jesus first, others second, you last. All right, here we go. All right, Haley's up there. Haley's up there. Here we go. Next question. Who are to put the need, or we are to put the needs of who above our own? Our parents, our neighbors, our siblings, or everyone? Look at those answers jump up there. Oh, you pushed the wrong one. Everyone, we're supposed to put the needs of everyone above our own. 88 of you got that right. Very good. Moving on. Here we go. We got Haley still up there. Haley looks like she might be getting this, but Hilliards are coming back. We got Dubs and TC. Here we go. Go ahead. Question eight. To disrespect your parents or teachers means to do what? Not to do any yard work, to tell them funny, tell funny stories about them, disobey them or rebel against them, or not buy them an expensive gift. I think all of these are good. But there is only one answer. Oh, which one is it? To disobey your parents or teacher means to disobey or rebel against them. Here we go. Most of you got that right. Haley is still up front, though. Oh, it's getting close, though. Here we go. We got a couple left. Two questions left. Which of the following is not a way children might show disrespect to their parents? Roll their eyes, making excuses, grunting or moaning in disgust, following their directions. Which way is not a way to show disrespect? Careful on that word, not. Tricky, tricky. Ah, following their directions is a way not to show disrespect, obviously. All right, many of you like to roll your eyes at your parents, apparently. Here we go. Haley is first. We got one last question. Can someone take her? Here we go. In the Bible, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 tells children to do what? Remember the sacrifice of Christ. Pray to God several times. Go to church every week or obey your parents. Last question. I bet you the results have already been decided. Obey your parents is what Ephesians 6 3 tells us. Go ahead and advance next. And the winner was, oh, Mackenzie. Where's Mackenzie at? Where's Mackenzie? This. Where is she? Oh, there you are. I see you now. I see you. Good job, Mackenzie. I have nothing to give you, but everyone give Mackenzie a round of applause. All right. Good job. Good job. All right.
Will you stand with us as we continue to worship together this morning?
difícil. So as I was trying to figure out what to talk about this morning, I thought I was going to be talking about thankfulness. It's something we've been going over in youth group. And as I was sitting in first service, I thought to myself, I'm like, communion is kind of strange to someone who's not accustomed to this, like a child or maybe a new Christian. You know, I feel like the church is the only, uh, only group that partakes in eating the body and drinking the blood of its Savior every week. And to somebody who's on the outside of that, looking in, that might look a little bit strange. Um, We're practicing cannibalism every week. And so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to just talk briefly about what Paul wrote about communion. And I want to encourage you parents uh, to take time, and even this morning as we pass the plates... Talk to your child about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, And if you're somebody who's new to Christianity and you're like, this communion stuff, super weird, come talk to somebody. Talk to somebody who you see here regularly or talk to one of the people that are up here at the front at the end of service or or Mark and I. We, We would love to talk to you about that because this is a big deal and this is something that's really great. And it's a way that we get to remember what our Savior has done for us. And we do it every week so we don't take that for granted. So I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And this is what it says. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 